134 News Talk 830 WCCO. Chad, under the weather today, Adam Carter with you. And Wednesday afternoon means playing politics, our uh, cooperative effort with the Star Tribune. Members of the Star Tribune editorial board with us, John Rash, as always, and uh, Scott Gillespie, vice president and editorial editor of the Star Tribune. Thank you, gentlemen, for being with us today. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Adam. Um, The impeachment trial enters a new phase today. John, I guess what's piquing your interest most today as we get into the questioning portion of this? First, just in terms of process, you so often have senators pontificate, and when they have to write a quick question on basically an index card, it's amazing the degree that they get to the point. I also think it's quite compelling to see which senators are willing to extend some range and ask questions that might be slightly less comfortable for their caucus as a po- and actually try to get closer to the truth, as opposed to some questions which initially seem to just want to reiterate the arguments that have happened on the floor with the House managers and President Trump's defense team. But I think that this is all a prelude in the big vote coming up on whether to take witnesses. And the fact that Senator McConnell, the majority leader, allowed Susan Collins, who seemingly may be one of the four Republican senators who would be willing to vote for witnesses to ask the first question, perhaps give her the sense that she can go back to her voters in a tough re-election campaign and say that I indeed was part of this process. I'm comfortable with my eventual votes here, that he's still trying to wrangle up the votes to block witnesses while it looked like as we got up this morning that he didn't have those votes, Senator Gardner of Colorado, who was also in a tough re-election fight, has indicated he's not for additional witnesses. So Senator McConnell, a master of the Senate, may indeed win this skirmish. Yeah, Scott, as you look at that, that uh, all-important vote and the, and the four needed, um, what's your feeling as to whether we, uh, the Republicans can block that? Do you think Democrats will be able to turn four? No, I think... Uh I think in the end that the Republicans will vote to uh, uh, wrap this thing up without any witnesses. I think that it's possible that McConnell's signal yesterday that he didn't have the votes was an effort by him to get the pressure building on some of those who might have been on the fence, get the president uh, involved more, get uh, his allies uh, in the media, uh, among others, including Fox News, to put the pressure on. And I think from what we've been reading this morning, it, it looks increasingly like uh, McConnell has has gotten uh, those more moderate senators to fall in line. Well, so without the the witnesses, uh, John and Scott, the remainder of this trial, what can we expect over the next couple of days? If you're a Republican in the United States Senate, you're hoping to get through this question period to come to a quick acquittal vote on Friday and to realize that some damage has been done not just to the president and not just to some senators running for re-election, but I would argue to the separation of powers and the way that people view Washington. But they hope to move on from here and get closer to the re-election campaign of President Trump. So that's clearly what they're hoping to get. Many, if not most, Democrats are looking to move toward witnesses, although, of course, That could be a double-edged sword, depending on how a deal might come forward if they demand that Vice President Biden, as an example, or his son Hunter become witnesses. And there's all sorts of reasons to argue against that because this was allegedly a smear campaign against them. They weren't involved in this. And I think that many, perhaps including the president, would like the optics of Vice President Biden and the well of the Senate having to 
answer tough questions, whereas he doesn't have to do that at this point. So my sense is they'll move towards acquittal at the end of this week. Scott? I agree. And uh, I think the one thing we need to watch here the rest of today and then into tomorrow for sure with this questioning phase is whether anybody makes a mistake. And uh, famously, uh, now many years ago, Lindsey Graham uh, said it was re- reasonable, reasonable people could differ on whether or not to oust President Clinton. That was looked at as a, as a major mistake uh, because he was on the side that was, of course, uh, pushing for the impeachment of President Clinton and, the, uh, uh, and ouster in the trial. And uh, when he said that, it really changed the tone. So that's what we'll look for here the rest of today and tomorrow, see if either side, the uh, president's attorneys or the House managers, make some sort of major error. Uh, because this is the only phase that's not been heavily scripted. So they could, you know, they could uh, walk into a, a trap here of some sort. But otherwise, I think, as John said, I believe they'll uh, they'll be wrapping this up Friday. A word today to the White House now trying to block John Bolton's uh, book from being released. How unusual is that, Scott? And I guess, well, what does that tell you about <laughs> the what is contained in that book and why they're fighting to kind of keep it? Keep yeah, it quiet? I saw that they they've said that there's a, a large amount of what they what they believe is classified information. So uh, that could that could delay things for some time. Uh, I don't know how that'll work with Bolton and, and uh, his publisher and how much they they will uh, 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 ex- uh, take out of the book, uh, take out of the manuscript. I uh, don't know how that works. And, of course, haven't read it yet. Seems pretty unusual, but uh, that's why you send these things over for review to see if there's any classified secret information that shouldn't be uh, released and uh, but, yes, very interesting that the Trump White House uh, would determine that, that there is. It is the best advertising campaign yeah. for a book <laughs> one book, could right? possibly <laughs> come up with. The book President Trump doesn't want you to read, so if and when it eventually gets right published. Now, yeah. On a more practical aspect of what's happening with the impeachment ordeal that the country is going through at this point, even if they don't take witnesses and they block the book, The essential charge that the National Security Advisor, who, according to the title of his book, was in the room where it happened, taking a line from the Hamilton musical, has said and already been reported widely now that President Trump did indeed withhold crucially needed military aid to Ukraine based on the condition of them launching a public investigation of the Bidens. That charge is out there, and seemingly there's nothing to keep Mr. Bolton from going on talk shows, a book tour eventually, and saying what he witnessed. He still ostensibly reserves that right. So that charge will still be out there. There may be other people from the White House who back him up on it. I thought it was quite key that John Kelly yesterday, former chief of staff, of course, and someone who you know was quite close to the president, said, I believe John Bolton in this case. And you know, I, if I had access to him, I think the next key person to talk to would be General Mattis, you know, and, and say, see what he would have to say as the former defense secretary and others and see who they back. Many of them worked for years and highly respected John Bolton and had much more strained relationships with the president at this point. So it then goes much more into the campaign realm and will also, of course, be focusing on the Democrats and what happens in Iowa and beyond starting next Monday. John Rash, Scott Gillespie from the Star Tribune with us playing politics. 
seeing the next 48 hours if, if it goes this way. No witnesses. The Senate votes to acquit. Uh, we know that re- re- supporters of the president uh, are already rallying uh, with him against this impeachment matter. They think it's much ado about nothing. Where do Democrats go from here after this imp- if, after, as expected, uh, the Senate votes to acquit? Do they focus on the election now, or is there going to be some other effort to try to discredit the Trump administration? I think they'll they'll be continuing to work on discrediting discrediting the uh, Trump administration, but that's part of the campaign. Uh, certainly, uh, they do need to start to turn their attention, and obviously, uh, Iowa caucuses will tend to do that. We're about to to actually start doing some voting here, and um, that will that will naturally turn the the narrative. Uh, but a big part of what the Democrats are uh, are running on, obviously, is. Uh, what they believe is corruption in the White House, and the uh, and so I think you'll continue to hear. It will be interesting to see what comes out of the Bolton book if he's not allowed to testify, uh, or isn't called to testify. I should say, you know, how damning is that? Is that book? Is it what we've been told so far? Is there more to it? Uh, so, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, new information come out in in over the last week, even. Uh, so I expect that'll that'll continue. Uh, in terms of uh, Ukraine and and the White House decision-making with regard to that. I certainly concur with Scott. I think that more information will be coming out. And indeed, this has been just such a fast-moving story throughout, including the bombshell on Sunday night, that John Bolton had indeed written this book. And when I say bombshell, the fact that he had done this, it had gone to the White House for review, that they knew about it, not the fact that the president, as so many others have testified to, did hold this aid up in exchange for an investigation of the Bidens. People from the State Department, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman and others have said that this has happened, and you had testimony allegedly said by John Bolton that he thought that this that Rudy Giuliani was a hand grenade and that this was a drug deal about to go bad, and those are nearly direct quotes, including hand grenade and, and drug deal as terms that he used here at this point. I think they'll use this all the Democrats, to try to discredit the administration. They have many other policy points that they'll press as well. It may be a rare moment of unity because as this is going on and many Democrats are coalescing on the reason to replace President Trump, they are really divided on several of the issues and the pressure is about to increase as they move from Iowa into New Hampshire and then to contests in Nevada and South Carolina in another month or two, we're going to get a really good sense of who's going to be the Democratic nominee. So if you're going to criticize a fellow Democrat and try to take him or her on directly, now is about the time. So yeah. I think you're going to have a, a much more caustic caucus in primary season coming up here. Yeah, starting Monday night, right? I mean, it just seemed like months ago we're saying, oh, man, the election's so far away. Suddenly we're at the Iowa caucus is now on Monday. To that end, uh, we obviously being uh, parochial here, we focus on Amy Klobuchar. I've seen that uh, she's been running third in in polling in Iowa. Scott, uh, can Amy have a a surprising night on Monday? I think she could. Uh, I read this morning that about 50% of Iowans are still undecided going into the caucuses. So it's really fluid. And uh, she's one of the candidates who's sort of had an arrow uh, going up in in recent days. So uh, I think she's got some momentum. Still really uh, be uh, surprising to see her win. Uh, but a strong showing certainly would be impor- is important for her, critical for her really in Iowa where she's invested so much time, obviously a, a border state to ours. And uh, 
So it's important for her to do well. And uh, I think there's a good chance she'll she'll show up and do do pretty well. John, before you answer, let me just uh, tease. We'll take a break and come back. If you guys can st- stick around for another mm-hmm. segment, I want to ask you about a possible partnership uh, with uh, Joe Biden that uh, is making headlines today. It's 146 on News Talk A3OWCCO. We're playing politics with the Star Tribune. John Rash, Scott Gillespie in studio. More after the break on WCCO. 150 WCCO coming up in about 15 minutes. We're going to be talking to Hennepin County Sheriff Dave Hutchinson about the mental toll of being a police officer article in the Star Tribune this morning about officer suicides and the help available for officers and the reluctancy, sadly, by some officers to seek uh, help mentally in what is uh, obviously a very difficult job. So that conversation coming up at uh, 2.05. We're still uh, playing politics. Scott Gillespie, John Rash from the editorial board. I took a break uh, talking about Amy Klobuchar in Iowa and her chances and news over the last 24 hours that the Biden campaign reached out to the Klobuchar campaign and kind of teaming up in, in precincts where the senator might not be doing as well. And uh, the senator responding, no, we want to do well uh, where we can and where uh, we feel like we can do well in that. John, tell me about these kind of partnerships. Is this something that happens often before we get to the caucus? Maybe tacitly, not openly as yep. much. There have been other kind of agreements, Dennis Kucinich and John Edwards and 2004 as as one example, but generally they help the candidate who is ahead in the polls, and that's, of course, Vice President Biden. He may not be ahead of Senator Sanders, but he is of Senator Klobuchar at this point. So she has reason to look at the trajectory of her numbers in Iowa and say, no, I'm not interested in something like that. I want to go in and win outright. She also doesn't want to signal to supporters that she's ready to relinquish them and have them move towards Vice President Biden. Now, it may naturally happen anyway because if you're ready to caucus for Senator Klobuchar, you probably are a more moderate Democratic voter, and Vice President Biden, Pete Buttigieg, and a few others may fit in that lane. It's less likely that you'll immediately jump over to Senator Sanders. I think that you certainly won't see any kind of an alliance like that between Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, but you have similarly like-minded voters who might appeal to both, or those candidates might appeal to as well. So I think that Voters need to have a bit of a backup plan, so Vice President Biden may actually benefit from this, even if it's not an outright alliance. Of the candidates left, Scott, uh, if, if it's a disappointing night for some of them, how many could we see drop out after Iowa? And Ooh. could Amy Klobuchar, if, I mean, how disappointing would it be for her to ha- have to reconsider her campaign? Yeah, I, you know, I think she would really have to look at it because the money's going to dry up unless she, you know, unless she performs fairly well and, and uh, for better or for worse— uh, that that's a big part of where momentum comes from at this point in uh, in in primary campaigns is how much you can money you can put behind them and uh, yeah so if she has a if she has a weak performance in Iowa she certainly would have to consider it uh, getting out of the race. Uh, the editorial board uh, talking about service animals uh, on airplanes and I, I wanted to bring that up not exactly politics in the playing politics sense. But this is something that has been fodder, certainly for talk show hosts, like, okay, a peacock on a plane, a lizard on a plane, when does it end? Well, the Star Tribune editorial board making a stance on uh, uh, service animals on airplanes this week. Certainly a stance that we believe in service animals, and we look at their legitimate value and greatly appreciate what they do. And I think it's okay to say there are many pet owners, a lot of dog people on the editorial board, so I think a lot of people (laughs) understand the comfort that they bring but also the discomfort that they can bring other travelers as well as the airline industry and 
the challenges and the safety issues that they may bring. So more than anything, reflecting the flying public and the airline industry saying there have to be some kind of guidelines here that exist elsewhere, not necessarily on airplanes. And as uh, was pointed out in the editorial, one of the great ironies is airports is an area where there are stronger guidelines at times than the actual airplanes. So perhaps some alignment is needed. The uh, One of the interesting numbers that we had in that editorial, unfortunately, the most recent statistics uh, available are from 2017, but they're pretty dramatic. Uh, in 2017, there were 751,000 emotional support animals on commercial flights in the U.S. That was up from 481,000 the year before. Mm. And complaints in 17 uh, were up. I take that back. Complaints in 18 were up to 3,000 from 719. So there's really there's a lot more people trying to uh, successfully bringing uh, pets on onto uh, onto planes. And certainly, as John said, some of them for very valid reasons, uh, where there are trained service dogs. But uh, our feeling, as we talked about it, was that it's maybe getting a little out of control, and the airlines have to be able to have more power to manage this. Uh, on the heels of um, the. Uh, the caucus in Iowa, locally politics heating up, the uh, legislative session about to start here in Minnesota. John, uh, talk about uh, what's on the radar as we as we open the session uh, with uh, Governor Walls and the Republican-controlled the Senate. What are things that uh, are going to be front and center? As it's we... going to be a real lively session, yep. I believe, and I think bonding will be front and center, and sure. the governor tried to roll it out in multiple stages and get all sorts of different constituencies interested. We'll certainly have some success with that. It's not a question of if, but how much in terms of bonding. There will be some jockeying for the next election coming up, and you mentioned control of the Senate. That'll be something quite key to Republican senators here, and we also have a census and thus redistricting that's going to be coming up. That'll be at play as well, and right after this election, you'll move into positioning for the next gubernatorial race and, and really control of the legislature at this point. I think also quickly you have to look at some social issues that may come to bear or some issues that can be deeply divisive. There might be a return to photo ID, which, as you know, was the subject of a statewide referendum a few years past and a whole lot of talk about legalization of recreational marijuana, as multiple states have done or certainly considered Minnesota will mull this question as well, and I expect that that'll take a lot of headlines and a lot of interest among the state and residents as well. And guns as well. Gun laws, for sure. That's uh, already something we're seeing with uh, the Republicans going uh, out state to uh, uh, propose a sanctuary uh, uh, city kind of approach to, uh, to gun laws. I don't know if that's actually even doable by law. But also, um, you know, on the other side, uh, more push for, for background checks being expanded and for red flag laws. So that's an issue that gets the interest and excitement level up in uh, really on in both parties. So I think we'll hear a lot about it again. Scott, thank you very much. John, as always, appreciate you having in. Uh, thank you. Uh, coming in. Uh, Scott Gillespie and uh, John Rash from the Star Tribune, our weekly uh, check-in, a partnership with the Star Tribune, playing politics every Wednesday afternoon. We certainly appreciate them stopping by. The long walk it is over from the Star Tribune to come over and uh, talk all things politics. We appreciate that.